0: We are excited to be in here tonight. We are in the midst of our series called Who is Jesus? And we've been talking about the seven I Am statements found in John where Jesus reveals a little bit of who he is. All right? We are on I Am statement number five for us today. We're skipping around a little bit, but we've talked about how Jesus says he is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the resurrection and the light. He is the door of the sheep. And today we reach, I am the good shepherd, all right? We're going to be in John chapter 10. And if you guys are note takers, which I so strongly encourage, all right? Because, man, taking notes changed my life, all right? I'm going to help you out. There's just two big things that I want you to hold on to from today, all right? If there's more, that's great, but two big things. And that is, in this passage, there is a warning and there is a promise. There is a warning and there is a promise. And so we're going to look into that today. But before we do, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself, all right? When I heard that we were talking about, when I heard, I decided I picked it, spoiler alert. When I picked that we were talking about the good shepherd, I started thinking about, you know, what is a shepherd, right? And as most of you know, a shepherd is somebody who is in charge of a flock of sheep. Now, I have never owned a sheep or a shep, if that's a singular sheep, I don't know, but I've never owned one, all right? But... I currently have a little experience with leading a, a group of animals. You see, I have two amazing dogs. Their names are Baloo and Lilo. And Baloo and Lilo just had five puppies, all right? About eight weeks ago, I think, yeah, we got a picture here. They're the sweetest little things, all right? Uh, I got another picture here, three of them together. Oh, there they are, all right? Now, they may look sweet, but let me tell you, okay? Let me tell you, these things are little tornadoes of bowel movements. That's what they are, okay? You wake up in the middle of the night. I figured out the golden ones. She can howl, which is cool, but not at 4 a.m. And so she's howling at 4 a.m. I walk in, and it's like a swamp of dog pee in my kitchen. I'm like, this is disgusting, right? It's the worst. And honestly, where is she? Shout out to my wife for just constantly cleaning it and like getting me through it. Because I, I would have been ready. Like I would have been done because let me tell you what happens, all right? They turned against me. They did, all right? We got a camera and we put it up facing down into the puppy pen we were going to be gone for a week on a mission trip and we needed to check in on them right and all i needed them to do was like sleep and eat and stay alive and that's all i asked from them Alright, right but then there was one day amanda gets on the camera and she's like it's not working i was like what do you what do you mean it's not working she goes it's just it was working and now it's not it's just frozen on the last thing and it says there's no connection to the camera i said well well what does it look like let's check the picture so i look and I see an empty an empty nest, right? But then if you look closely on the right side, we're gonna zoom in a little bit here. There's the culprit. Grabbed onto the wire and said, you're gonna watch me with the camera? I don't think so. Yeet right out the wall. So we had to get someone to go over to the house. And But man, it's tough. So when I think about the good shepherd, right? Watching not just five puppies, but a whole flock of sheep. I'm like, God, more power to you because I'm not cut out to do that, right? And so a new respect for shepherds and and all people who watch groups of animals, right? And so I just want to give you a little bit of background into the passage that we're about to look at, right? The tension between Jesus and the Pharisees is getting thick, all right? It is like the tension's there. Jesus keeps doing miracles and teaching, and the Pharisees keep, like, getting really threatened by his power and the things that he's saying, And so they start coming up with with arguments and traps and ways to try to kill Jesus. And it's, it's not a good situation. So Jesus, he just addresses them in chapter 10, right? He says, I am the door of the sheep. Meaning he is the only way to eternal life and salvation. He is the only path there. And by saying he's the only path, he's saying all these other paths, right? Meaning the Pharisees, the false teachers, right? Anyone but Jesus who claims they have a way to salvation, thieves, robbers, right, lead to destruction, all these things. And he's, he's going at them, and he's going at them hard, letting them know there is one way, and it is Jesus. And so we're in the midst of this speech where Jesus is, is just being blunt with the truth to the Pharisees, letting them know. And so we're going to pick it up. John chapter 10, verses 10 through 18. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10. I had, I'm going to read it from the screen because I flipped to the wrong one. All right. It says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So that's the speech. That's that's the end of Jesus going in on these Pharisees, and, and there's like a split decision at the end. But I really want to take some time and focus on exactly what Jesus is saying. Because it may just seem like eight verses talking about, yes, Jesus cares for us. But that's true. But there's so much more. In fact, Jesus spends a decent amount of time in this passage talking about a new character to the story, right? Because previously, in the first part of John chapter 10, we identify a couple of characters. We get Jesus being the shepherd, being the door of the sheep. That's Jesus, we know that. We have the sheep, Spoiler alert, that's us, right? We're the sheep, the people. And, uh, and then we have the thieves and the robbers, which were last time identified as the false teachers, right? In Jesus' day, it was the Pharisees. Today, we have, we have so many false teachers to choose from, right? You can just pick one of many because there's so many people claiming to know the truth, and yet they don't know God's truth, which is the truth. So those are the characters we know, and yet another one is introduced in John 10, in the second half, and that is the hired hand, all right? And it's incredibly important because this is the warning portion when Jesus talks about the hired hand. See, Jesus makes a big deal through all of scripture about who you spiritually follow. He's talking about it all the time, right? Calling people to follow him, warning people not to follow other paths, other people. It's a big deal to Jesus about who you spiritually follow. Why? Because who we follow will ultimately decide where we spend eternity. That was true then, that is true now, right? Be so, so careful who you let pour into you because the path that you choose to follow will be where you spend eternity. So we have to be so sure. And so in John chapter 10, we see two characters, two paths that we are told not to follow. Last week, we talked about one It was the thief and the robber, right? The false teacher. This week we're introduced to another, and that is the hired hand. Now the hired hand is different than the false teacher in scripture, right? And that's important because the thief and the robber, we know what they are. They're false teachers, people who say this is the way and they're just full of garbage, right? And so those are are sometimes easy to identify, but the hired hand is a little bit different, right? Because the hired hand is a good leader, At surface level, right? Because we see they are watching over the sheep in this metaphor. They are watching over the sheep. They are doing what they're supposed to do. So we see a good leader on the surface with selfish motives underneath, right? Because it says when the wolf comes to devour the sheep, they don't stay. They don't care for the sheep. As soon as their lives are on the line, they're out of here, right? They have no care for their sheep. And so the first question I thought of is, well, why is that so bad, right? I mean, yeah, it's not as good as a good shepherd, but they're doing their job, right? Why is it so bad to follow a leader who's doing the right thing for the wrong reasons? Because ultimately they're still doing the right thing. And it might work, and it might work for a while, but let me tell you why that's dangerous, right? Because when danger comes, when we reach spiritual danger, when the enemy attacks the hired hand, right, the leader who is strong on the outside but selfish on the inside, they run, right? And they absolutely abandon their followers, right? And so if you're abandoned, when anyone's abandoned, two things happen, all right? Number one, the enemy comes in. If you're following someone and you have put all your trust and your faith in this person or this ideology or whatever it is, other than scripture, other than Jesus, when it crumbles, you're left with nothing. You're like, man, I, this was what I stood on. This is what held me up. Now, I don't know. You're left susceptible. You're left weak and Satan preys on the weak. Number two, when you're abandoned, we experience what's called the breakup effect. All right. This is a real thing. And I think a lot of you have probably experienced, right? We're going to get, we're going to get a little vulnerable here. Okay. How many of you? have ever broke up or been broken up with? Raise of hands, okay? A lot of us, but not all of us, okay? Well, when, specifically when you're broken up with, right? Some of the students are like, me, it was him, but we're back together, yay, right? (laughs) But sometimes we experience this thing called the breakup effect. And what that is, is you put all your time and all your energy and all your trust and all your faith in this individual and then they abandon you. And then you get upset, right? And we're not talking like a little bit upset. We're talking about like curled up on the bathroom, listening to Taylor Swift while eating chocolate ice cream. That's a new level of upset, all right? I've heard. And so what happens is we get upset. And the breakup effect is, is when we all of a sudden want nothing to do with that person who we used to be so close to. But not just them. Anything that they were associated with, right? We're like, oh, well, they liked this kind of music. I'm never going to listen to that kind of music again, right? They liked going to Pizza Hut. I'm never going to Pizza Hut again, right? I'm sorry, because I will never forsake Pizza Hut, all right? But just for the story. Right? They like to to do this. Now I'm not doing it, right? They're into this kind of thing. I don't want anything to do with it, right? Because when someone abandons us, that hurt is so real that we don't want to do anything that they were associated to do. And here's what happens when we follow these spiritual leaders with selfish hearts and eventually trouble comes and they peace out. We're hurt. And it leaves so many people in the church hurt. Right. I've met countless people who are like, I don't go to church because the church hurt me. All right. People have hurt them, but it wasn't Jesus. And that's so important to know. But what people do is they don't differentiate the two. And they say, this person hurt me. They were from church. So now I want nothing to do with the church. I want nothing to do with Jesus because this person claimed Jesus. One, that makes us so incredibly careful about the things we do as we represent Christ. But two, it means we should be so incredibly careful, the people that we put our faith in, that we let pour into us, because if it is any source other than Jesus, it will let us down. And salvation is on the line when it comes to who we follow spiritually. All right, so if Jesus is the good shepherd and false teachers are the thieves and the robbers, then who today are the hired hands, right? We know that we should avoid them. We know that they're dangerous, but what do they look like, right? Who is the warning against today in 2022? Today, that could look like leaders, teachers, and even pastors who are more concerned with the numbers on their paycheck than the number of souls saved for the Lord. And sadly, there's a lot. Leaders who prioritize the platform over the message that they are charged to give, right? They're just there for the attention. And sadly, we see that a lot. Leaders who would rather be sensational than sanctified, right? Who would rather be remembered for their skill set than to be set apart for the Lord, even if that means playing the background. What's even more dangerous is, is that these leaders, more often than not, they don't stay hired hands, right? Because what's inside comes outside and eventually it takes you to false teaching. You follow these people who have a selfish heart. Maybe they preach the gospel at first, but then they realize they get a little bit more attention when they start preaching. God wants you to have a million dollars, right? If you give me 10,000 first, he'll bless you, right? It does not work that way, all right? Please, avoid your checks, right? I'm just kidding, right? But, but we see that, right? We see people start with the gospel, start with the truth, and then just twist it just a little bit, and then a little bit more, and then a little bit more, and soon... We're down this path that's nowhere near Jesus, but because it started in the right place, we're all mixed up. In contrast, we see another character, right? This is where things get a little good. We've had the warning, right? He talks about don't follow these hired hands, these people who seem to be good on the outside but have selfish intent. There's an option number two, right? And it's found in verses 14 and 15. Let's look at that. John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. And fifteen it says, "I am the good Shepherd, I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep so there 's some good news, right? There is a good choice, there is a choice that won 't abandon. there is a choice that loves you and cares for you and has your best interests at heart, and that is Jesus Christ, that is the good Shepherd, right Most of you know that, but it 's always be good it 's always good to be Reminded, it says the good shepherd knows his sheep and his sheep know him. That means Jesus doesn't just desire to be worshiped from afar. He wants a relationship with each and every one of you, right? It says in danger, he would lay down his life for his sheep and he has done just that. Bottom line, the hired hand does not care about you, but the good shepherd does. And that's important to remember as we continue. So if we know that the hired hand and the false teachers and all of that realm is dangerous, leads you down the wrong path, and we know that the good shepherd leads you down the right path, how can we make sure we're following the good shepherd? And it seems like an easy answer, but it's not so easy when it's in real life. Because a lot of times you start you start investing in someone, right? And you're man, I like what they're saying. I think this is from God, but I don't know, right? Is this God's call or is this just what I want God's call to be for me? And sometimes we get caught up and we're not really sure where to go. We're not really sure if this is Jesus' path or if this is the false teacher, if this is the hired hand, if this is just something. And man, it's tough. It's really tough. How do we differentiate when we are choosing which path to take in life? Which one is the good shepherd? Well, good news, the answer is in the text. Verses 14 through 16, all right? We're going to read them again. It says this, verses 14 through 16. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the sheep. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Right? Right? So it's interesting, in those two verses, we actually see that the sheep, right, the people, are trusted with two requirements, right? The shepherd does everything else, right? The shepherd protects, the shepherd lays down his life, the shepherd leads, but the sheep are given two responsibilities in John chapter 10. And that is, it says, the shepherd knows the sheep, that's fun to say, and the sheep know the shepherd. Now, a relationship is a two-way street. So in order for the sheep to know the shepherd, there has to be a little effort on the sheep's part. That means God wants to know us, but we have to also pursue God. We have to know our shepherd. That's number one. And number two, it says he calls his sheep and his sheep listen to him. Now that's not a word that I particularly have grown up enjoying to hear, right? But that's what we're called to do. Know our shepherd and listen to his Voice, those are the two tasks that we are entrusted with. So how do we do it, right? Now we know what to do. How do we actually do it? How do we know and listen? Well, every relationship, whether spiritual, whether friendship, whether a little bit more, you know what I'm saying? Either way, every relationship is built on information and communication. Those two things are at the heart of every relationship. Because you can't build a relationship with someone if you know nothing about them. When you go on that first date or hang out with someone for the first time or meet someone, whatever, the first interaction is generally like, Hey, my name's this. What do you like to do, right? I like to blow stuff up. What do you like to do, right? Me too. Let's just go explode some stuff. And now you know a little bit about each other. Information is so incredibly important in building a relationship. And there is also communication, right? Just knowing something about someone doesn't mean there's a relationship, right? One of my favorite wrestlers, John Cena, I know so much about him, but sadly, I've never met him. So I couldn't say that I have a relationship with John Cena. There would have to be some communication, though I did meet Kevin Owens at the airport. I'm just saying, y'all know I did. It was on our last mission trip. It was so exciting. He's probably telling his friends he met me. Whatever. It's fine. Right? So information. How do we get information about our shepherd? How do we get to know the things about God? Man, if there was only like a manual or a book or a collection of books that had like a bunch of accounts of things that Jesus did and said, like, like maybe the Bible, right? That would be a really, really good place to start. And obviously, that's the Sunday school answer, right? Know your Bible so that you can follow the right path. But it's so incredibly true. Especially today, our students face so many tests. In their life, people saying, This is true. This is what marriage looks like. This is what love is defined as, right? This is what you should do. This is what you should pursue. All of it passed off as truth, and many of it attempted to be supported by scripture, right? People will twist and turn and make it say what they want to say. But this is why it's so incredibly important to know what it says. To know what your Bible says about God, right? Because all of a sudden you could be in church, you could be talking to someone and someone can make a really good case for, hey, um, I believe in Jesus, I believe in God. The Bible is more stories, all right? But, but I believe in Jesus and God. And you feel like, oh man, that kind of makes sense, right? We both believe in Jesus and, and but maybe the Bible is, is just kind of for reference. Maybe it's just stories, Right? But if you know your word, if you know your facts about God, you know in Second Timothy it says all scripture is God-breathed, God right? Not some scripture, not whatever parts of scripture I like are God-breathed, but all scripture is God-breathed, right? If you hear somebody teaching and saying, hey, God loves you, right? I would agree with that, yes. God wants you to be happy if he loves you. I would also agree with that, right? Yes. Well, what would make you happy is, is money, right? And uh, what would make you happy is success. And what would make you happy is, is putting yourself first and becoming the best version of you. And all those things sound amazing. And you're like, wow, man, I guess God wants that for me. But if you know your Bible, if you know the word, right? You'll know that in Mark eight thirty six it says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Man, but if you don't know, Sounds pretty good, right? If you're leading someone, and they're if you're following someone, and they're leading you down a path of fear and anxiety and worry, and you're all caught up in the fear of everything that's going on, then you've forgotten that the word says, "For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control." This is why you have to know what the Bible says. You have to know why you believe what you believe. Students, it's so incredibly important for you at this time when so many sources are telling you this is truth, to know what is actually truth. And it only comes from digging into the Word of God. Now, communication, that's simple. It's tough, but it's simple, right? It's prayer. Prayer looks like talking, being still, and listening. Right now, a lot of times, if I were to be like, all right, repeat that back. Talking, being still, listening, right? But that little in the middle, right? Being still, that's hard. That's really hard. Because a lot of times we're like, God, I told you what I want, all right? And now I'm listening for you to give it to me. But we skip over that part in the middle where we're told to be still, to wait on the Lord. But here's the deal. The communication goes with the information. If we know anything about God, we know that he is faithful all of the time. We know that even when it takes a lot of time, more time than we would like, he is still working, he is still fighting, he is still for you. And that's a God who's worth waiting on. So we have to have information, the word of God. We have to have communication, talk, be still, and listen. Because we live in a world where seemingly countless voices call you to follow them, claiming to be the truth but holding nothing but lies and destruction. It is so important who we follow. And finally, the promise. right? The promise of this passage is that there is good news. We have a good shepherd. And in fact, we even see this metaphor of the shepherd mentioned other places in Scripture. We're going to look at Matthew 18, verses 12 through 14. Right? This is our, our last passage. So Ben, you guys can come up at this time. We're going to wrap it up. But it says, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that went astray. So, it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. When we're talking about the Good Shepherd, we see a God who leaves the ninety-nine in search of the one. Here's the promise, right? We are invited to follow a good shepherd who loves us, who cares for us, who wants to know us and protect us and gave his own life for us. But here's the sad reality of that promise. Many of you, myself included, for a long time will be able to hear that. Hear that God is the good shepherd, that he is for you, that he cares and be unaffected. I heard that and I knew that truth for years and was relatively unaffected, right? Yes, okay, I know God loves me, but I'm still struggling, right? I know that God will, will come after me, right? I know that he fights for me, but I don't, I don't see how that helps me today. Because when you just hear it, sometimes it's easy to remain unaffected. But when you've lived it, when you have lived Jesus picking you up out of what nothing else could pick you up from, When you've lived that, you can't forget. As we wrap things up, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit of my story recently where this passage came to life for me. Now, we have had a tough go in the forge this year, as as a lot of you know, right? Landon, one of our students, he came down suddenly with cancer and we prayed and we prayed that God would heal him. And I believed in my heart every day that God was going to do it. And he didn't. And that was tough. It's still tough. And I wish I had the answers, but I don't. But I gotta keep going, right? So what I did is I just took all the emotions and all the questions and all the anger, and there was a lot of anger, and I just kind of shoved them down in a box. And I'm like, God will take care of it, right? I gotta get up, I gotta work, I gotta run service, I gotta preach, I gotta do all this stuff. I don't have time to to be shaking in my faith right now, even though that's what's happening. So I keep going, and I put it in a box, and I march forward. And then my best friend, on the day his child was to be born, it's born without a heartbeat, and it doesn't make it. And we prayed, and we prayed. And God said no. And that was tough. And that's still tough. But as I'm dealing with it, I started to have a lot of questions. And I started to have more questions than answers. And I start to get lost. And I'm like, I can't be lost. I'm a pastor. People are looking to me to lead them, to show them where to go. And I don't know where to go. I'm so confused. And I'm in this place where I feel like God is moving on. And I'm left behind. Because I don't understand. And my faith's not moving anymore. And I still have faith. I still believe in God. I still know that the Bible is true. But I can't make sense of this. I don't know why he chose not to move when I know that he could move. And so I was i was left behind, I was broken, I was hurting and I was keeping it all in, but I wasn't doing a very good job. It was getting tough for me to get in front of you guys and preach and I didn't talk about it because i I felt like I couldn't talk about it. And so I get up and I'm doing my thing but I'm left with more and more hurt and questions And I started to question everything. I'm like, I don't know if this is what I'm called to do anymore. I don't know if I can do this anymore. And something amazing happened. And I'm so excited to tell you guys about it. We went to this conference called the Relate Conference. And they had amazing speakers sermons about all kinds of stuff and so we we went the first I, we were there for two days and the first day was amazing and we heard all these and i'm taking notes and the whole time i'm like searching like god give me something and he gave me a lot of good stuff but nothing for the question that i had because the question that i had had boiled down to one truth that i was fundamentally questioning does god care for me Because I believed, I never doubted that God cares for his people. We see that through scripture. But somewhere along the way, where God said no to my prayers, I started believing that maybe God was a God of the community. Maybe God was a God who is for the body of believers, but not for Elijah specifically. You know, maybe maybe it's kind of a group deal. And like, that's still good. I still get to heaven, right, if I'm part of that group but my heart longed for something more. My heart was hurting and it needed a heavenly father to say, Elijah, I care about you specifically. And I didn't know if it was true. And so the very last day of that conference, we're running late, shocker if you know me, all right? And so we're going and, uh, and I'm like, Amanda, hey, like we're gonna miss half this sermon. We got an hour drive home, like, let's just go. But Amanda says, no, I want to hear this last sermon. So we argue back and forth, and like always, she wins. And so we go, and we make our way there, all right? We get to the lobby, and I see that the speaker is already halfway through her message, right? I'm like, man, I don't want to be the person who like walks in and doesn't know what's going on. I'm like, I don't want to, come on, Amanda, let's just, let's just wait out in the lobby, say bye to everybody that we know, and then we'll go. And Amanda says, no, I want to go in, and I want to sit in the front. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? And so we go back and forth and I lose two for two. And so here we are in the sanctuary and we go and sit down and I'm listening to this woman of God talk. And she she's talking about Jesus healing the blind man. I'm like, okay, I know this story. I can kind of pick it up. And she talks about how she led him out of the, or sorry, Jesus led him out of the city, picked up some mud, like spit in the dirt, made some nasty, nasty spit mud, right? And he puts it on his eyes and he says, go wash it in the Jordan. So the man, he goes and he washes his eyes. And then Jesus says, what do you see? And I'm expecting him to be like, I I see amazing things, God. I see everything. I see your kingdom and your glory and and all this stuff. But that's not what he says. He's like, "Uh, not much. It's a little fuzzy. Did it work? Right? He's like, I can see a little, but not very much. He's just honest, right? And so Jesus says, do it again. So he goes back in and he comes out. And all of a sudden he can now see. And this is what got me. The very question that I had in my heart that I needed answered was, does God love me? The individual. And she looked out and she said the words, God is not a God of a group prescription. God is a God for the individual. Mm. And it got me. Because the very, very doubt that I had God spoke into. It was like He was talking just to me. And then, oh, it gets worse, right? That's all I wanted, but God was like, no, we got more, right? We got some things to work on. She says, when God asked the blind man, what do you see? He didn't give the right answer, right? Because I was giving the right answer. God was saying, Elijah, how are you? I'm fine, we're gonna make it through this, right? There's questions, but I know God's in control and and I'm good. I was not good. I was breaking and I was being left behind. And she said, God does not want the right answer. God wants the truth. And there was an invitation time and we went up and I just gave it to God. I said, God, I am so lost. I don't know why you said no. I don't know why you chose not to act. And in that moment, God didn't tell me why. I still don't know why. But what God did is just let it out, right? And I cried like a baby in front of a whole congregation of people, but they were crying too, so it worked out, right? And I just let it out. And there I was. I didn't have any answers that I had didn't have before, but I was resting in the peace that comes from knowing God cares for me he cares for me and i love that and i needed that and someone here needs it tonight and i firmly believe that because we go through life right and we just try to hold it together and we tell ourselves we're fine and we tell ourselves that we're making sense of everything But if we're honest with ourselves, if we stop giving the right answer and we give the true answer, we're like, God, I don't know. I want to believe, but this is in my way, right? I want to forgive, but I got to hurt so bad from what this person did that I just honestly don't know if I can get there. Right? I want to follow you, God. I want to live the life that you've given me, but this anxiety, this depression... This fake smile I put on every day, it can't go on forever. Guys, tonight, Jesus wants you to know that he is the God for the individual just as well as his church. He loves his church, but he loves you. He loves you personally. He is the good shepherd for you. He will leave the 99 to pick you up in your problems and bring you back because he cares about you. You. And that is such an amazing promise. Guys, so tonight we have an invitation. It's not an invitation for your life to get any easier from this point on. It's not an invitation to find answers that you've been searching for for a long time. Because maybe you will, maybe you won't. But there is an invitation to find peace, to find calm in the storm, in the arms of a good shepherd who is faithful who is loving and who cares for you. We're gonna pray and then we're gonna worship. And when we worship guys, we invite you to experience that peace. Could you do it from your seat? You could, but there's just something about taking a physical step forward towards God's voice. We invite you to come up to the stage, kneel at the altar and give it to God. It might come through tears. It might come through celebration. But if you go, it'll come. Find your peace today in the arms of the good shepherd.